Attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston, do we have a pew problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com and use code MANAGINGMADRID for 20% off and free shipping. If you're ready for an out-of-world experience, look no further than the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped that has just taken off in not only the USA, but Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. Get 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com and use code MANAGINGMADRID. That's 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com and use code MANAGINGMADRID. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. This episode is also brought to you by the Hotel Ryu Plaza, New York Times Square, which is where you should be booking your stay in New York when you come see us for the podcast. Today's episode also, which featured Gabe Lezra, um, that was just a nice little preview because Gabe Lezra is going to be at the New York podcast. That's that's confirmed now. We finalized it with him. We put it in writing. So myself, Gabe, Matt will be there, possibly even Om. I think Om is going to come. Um, so that's four of us right there in New York, one of our biggest markets. If that doesn't convince you, I don't know what will convince you. So um, tickets are flying because this New York is one of our biggest markets. So make sure you reserve your spot ASAP, especially before the early bird prices go up. By the way, the Hotel Rio Plaza, New York Times Square, amazing location. We stayed there last time we did a podcast in New York. It's literally across the street from the podcast venue, which is the Playwright Irish Pub. It's located in the heart of Manhattan, and it offers its guests many services and amenities such as a gym, meeting rooms, and Wi-Fi connection. At the Hotel Rio Plaza, New York Times Square, you can experience their concept of urban tourism and enjoy a vacation in New York or a business trip with all the services Ryu Hotels and Resorts has to offer you. So book your tickets to the New York podcast. The link is in the show notes. Also book your stay at Hotel Ryu Plaza, New York Times Square. And if you're in any of these cities, Los Angeles, Toronto, Dallas, New York, Miami, London, Washington, D.C., Chicago, and Mumbai, those dates are and cities are all confirmed now. So go in the show notes, click the link to your city, and book ASAP. Uh, today's podcast is a law focus episode. It's kind of um, the behind the scenes and the legalities and all the legal terms and everything you need to know about why the CVC deal sucks and um, the stances of Real Madrid, Barcelona, the rest of the La Liga teams, the Federation, La Liga itself, Tebas, motives, and all that stuff, and how Messi and Ramos and Baran were all convoluted into this. Um, all that coming up. Great episode. Nice to have Gabe back. Let's go. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. Uh, wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Karim Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Welcome to a very special episode of the Managing Madrid podcast. It is currently Wednesday, just after 11.30 a.m. Eastern, and 
La Liga is on fire. There's a big war going on. There's the Federation. There's Real Madrid. There's Barcelona. There is La Liga itself and a whole bunch of things on the outside lurking that are tied into this discussion. As always, the only good thing that comes out of all this mess and drama is that Gabe Lesra comes out of his cave. And last time, <laughs> last time we dragged him out for the Super League, him and Evan Matera, of course, and that was nice because they explained things to us that went way over our head, and a lot of this goes over my head. So I'm just really thrilled. Gabe Lesra is back on the show. Gabe, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, man. It's great to see you. Uh, it's really cool to be doing this in a uh, video. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm psyched to be here. Um, and, you know, psyched to kind of walk through some of these immense and <laughs> intense issues with you guys. Um, you Maybe we can start chronologically, um, just to bring everyone up to speed. So last week, um, or actually it was Monday, wasn't it? Now I'm getting the timeline fuzzy. With um, Messi? I, yeah. I, do you want to start with Messi, actually? Because that goes even farther back. Do you think that's where we start? Or do you want yeah, to start let's with, just Okay. The CVC. Yeah, because um, CVC is complex and it is related to Messi. But the Messi stuff goes far back because, you know, essentially after uh, UEFA started um, the financial fair play regime, uh a lot of clubs and a lot of leagues began to implement uh, versions of it uh, that they force or, you know, get their clubs to follow, uh, including Spain, right? Including La Liga. And in their decision to make this uh, and develop this salary cap, I uh, put um, a number of clubs kind of on the spot, um, kind of, uh, uh, you know, that, that they were sort of warned that this thing is happening and that it's going to be uh, important for them to deal with the reality of this thing. You know, and as we've discussed in the past, FFP has been completely ignored by most clubs. Uh, and the one time, you know, that it appeared to, <laughs> that it appeared to be uh, uh, jumping to the fore was with PSG um, and, and Manchester City back then. And of course, it just didn't matter because... Uh, those clubs are so rich. Okay, so coming back to Spain, the idea of the salary cap uh, was to ensure, right, that each team has like long-term viability, right? And in doing so, the, the idea, right, is to encourage these teams to reduce the debt that they have. Uh, and the way that Spain decided ultimately to ca calculate the debt is, you know, focused the most, for the most part, on player salaries. Uh, and the kind of finances of the clubs as they're um, preparing for each new season, uh, given the reality of their finances. Barcelona <laughs> was criminally mismanaged. Uh, as I'm sure folks remember, we've discussed from time to time how bad how badly they look in terms of their deals, in terms of their finances, right? They've been buying players left and right for you know, almost a decade now and not really thinking about what the reality of having this many players means, right? So for example, the Griezmann deal. Uh, Barcelona ended up paying a lot of money for Griezmann and then also giving him a salary bump up to $20, $30 million. Ultimately, what happened is that Barcelona's debt and especially their uh, Player finances, the player, uh, what they've spent on players and also what they've given players in terms of their contracts 
ballooned to about 650 million euros. Unfortunately for them, the way that Spain calculates the salary cap is based on the revenues of the club and how they like how much they bring in. Now, COVID and this kind of uh, structure that we are dealing with right now in terms of world finance uh, created a salary cap for Barcelona that was completely unmanageable. Uh, so, for example, what ended up happening is Barcelona's revenues dropped precipitously to about 300 million euros. So Barcelona was staring down the face of 600 or 300 million euros that they needed to slash in order to register new players, right? You can't bring in new players if you're over the salary cap. You actually have to sell them. And that's sort of what Madrid was doing. Like we have, there's obviously a lot of reasons that Madrid sold Baran uh, and Ramos, but this is part of it. Um, and unfortunately for Barcelona, 300, 200 million euros over the salary cap is just not something you can ignore. Uh, so when they want, like, and Messi, right, was out of contract, so they wanted to resign him. And unfortunately, because they let Messi go out of contract, he, he counts as a new acquisition. And he also commands a salary upwards of 40, 50 million euros. So Barcelona had to get rid of players in order to resign and register all of their new ones, including Messi, including Depay, and they didn't manage to do it. And there's still hundreds of millions over the salary cap. So I don't think this is the last thing that's going to happen for them. They were so criminally mismanaged that they had to jettison their best player and the all-time GOAT because they couldn't get themselves together and actually find ways to dump salary. So that's the story with Messi. Uh, and the reason that it cut, like goes into this, I'm, I'm monologuing, Keon, so like ask me, <laughs> you know, I'm happy to answer questions or whatever. Uh, the so reason you, this- you haven't had the mic in, in, in decades on this, on, in the timeline of this podcast. So you can have it for the next few decades to oh make up God, for dude. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like um, the understanding of the salary cap is important for understanding why the CVC deal, uh, some of the elements of the CVC deal. I'll just say that. Uh, and Madrid you know, did a very good job uh, of dealing with this. And they jettisoned two very high contract players um, this summer, right? Uh, and brought themselves down um, to a manageable uh, relationship with their um, salary cap. Now, ideally, in the next couple of years, all of these teams will start making a lot more money and the salary cap will raise, rise and people will be able to... Uh, people will be able to resign and, and get players again. I would say just in terms of reading the tea leaves, if I were Barcelona, I'd be very worried that they wouldn't be able to register some of their other players, including their new acquisitions, right? I like Memphis, the pie is a great player. I don't know if they have the space in the salary cap to, to, uh, to register him. Uh, it's, which is, you know, again, criminally mismanaged. Uh, because well, they have, well, sorry, they have they have the game coming up against Real Sociedad this weekend, and um, I don't think they'll be able to me- to register Memphis by then. Aguero is, is no. a moot point in a lot of ways because he's going to miss um, some time due to injury, and and that I I don't I don't mean to celebrate any injury. Obviously, I'm not doing that, but for them, that it actually works out because. <laughs> Like what else are you going to do with this situation? Trying to figure it out, right? Right. <laughs> and they only have a couple more weeks to jettison salary. Um, and like, 
I'm sure folks remember that one of the things that they've been literally consider, considering is basically selling Griezmann back to Atletico, but where Barcelona doesn't get anything in return or gets very little in return, and they have to pay some of Griezmann's salary, uh, which is an insane thing. Uh, and uh, so ultimately, right, this led to them being unable to re-sign the best player in their entire club's history and him and resulted because he wanted to stay. Right. And you saw that in his press conference, which was, incre- in my view, just really heartbreaking. Uh, he was basically saying, look, I I wanted to stay with this club and I, I was prevented from doing so. And last year I wanted to leave, but the club listened to what I was saying. And so I want to stay now. <laughs> Uh, it was heartbreaking. And as a Madrid fan, it's heartbreaking because losing Messi in the league is catastrophic, I think, for the league generally and for uh, Madrid specifically because they make so much money out of the Clasico games. And Messi was such an important part of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, you you opened up a lot of different cans of worms there in that. And I I think it's sort of like the, the, the discussion of how badly Barcelona are actually mismanaged has really been discussed, discussed to death. Um, but I, I also think like it somehow can get worse for them because some of the dialogue that we've had after the whole messy thing and him leaving was that, okay, what's next? And obviously no one right. really thinks they're going to be able to be as good as they were, but a lot of the, a lot of the, the silver linings, if there were any, was that, okay, well, we focus on the youth. Now we're forced to, to, to develop Pedri and Ricky Pooch and Ansu Fati on all these guys, it might, the, it, it might actually get worse and that clubs might come for those players now. They're just to, they know Barcelona's situation. Yeah. Barce- and, and Barcelona obviously want to get rid of the Coutinho's and the, right. and the Pjanic's, but clubs aren't coming for those guys. You know what I mean? So, um, and, and you yeah. mentioned the Griezmann thing, um, the, the salary bump they also gave him when they signed him. It is also extra crazy because it was a player they didn't even need. Yeah. It wasn't a player like that solves their problems. It's actually a player that gets in their way. So they, they bumped somebody's salary who actually gets in their way in a lot of ways, from a tactical perspective anyway. And, you know, Atletico, I'm sure Griezmann would have, wouldn't have mind going back there, but their situation is not peachy either. I mean, you know, yeah. it's no club it's crazy right situation. now is looking good. Right. Yeah. So the reason that this is tied into the CBC deal, Kian, is that what the deal looks like is that well, what it what it works, how it works for clubs is that they would get an immediate injection of capital around two hundred million dollars from Barca, and that would solve their problem, right? They would be able to be under the salary cap and probably you know re- register the pie and acquittal. The problem is the. Uh, agreement creates a 50-year tax on these clubs. So the exchange here is, you know, the couple billion up front where the clubs get them distributed. Uh, Barca and Madrid have, you know, now got a bunch of money under the uh, terms of the deal so they can maybe go out and sign more people, et cetera. But then 10% of the audiovisual rights of each club uh, goes to this um, hedge fund. Uh, 10% of the audiovisual rights is a huge amount of, do- of money. Uh, and over the course of 50 years, it will be ungodly. <laughs> uh, and, you know, so the audiovisual rights, what, what I mean when I say that is the right to broadcast um, 
matches uh, and the money that you get in return for giving uh, the right to broadcast matches to the different people that do that, right? So ESPN in this country, uh, and then, you know, uh, uh, the various other um, places in Europe, Canal Plus, uh, there, you know, all those different things. They all pay, right? Uh, and so that is, you know, a huge chunk of Madrid and Barca's revenue. Uh, so basically it's mortgaging the future to get a little bit more money now. So a, a simple cost benefit analysis doesn't make sense, right? Oh, because- no, 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 no. It's a terrible deal. I have no idea what, what they were thinking. Uh, Desperation I, I, in a shitty place financially. Maybe Tebas pockets some of that. That's an assumption. I don't know, but <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's what I, I mean. Like yeah. I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be shocked by anything uh, in world football right now. I mean, the corruption that we're talking about, I know everyone remember, like knows that this is a thing that I've been on for years. Uh, is it un- it's just in- impossible to quantify. Uh, so, yeah. So the CVC deal also has a number of legal problems, which we can discuss, but I think it's worth just kind of underlining how bad a deal it is for these clubs. Uh, yeah, like I said, audiovisual rights are the main driver um, of money into these clubs. So giving uh, this hedge funds 10% of that is terrible. And it actually is terrible in another way uh, in that because it's an upfront capital injection this year and then nothing ever again, uh, it'll right. impact any team that is uh, promoted. Yes. All of those yes. teams, they will get no money and they will have to pay a 10% tax on their audiovisual rights. So the more it's explained, and I think you did a really good job of explaining why it's bad. It's the, the more terrifying of a scenario it gets to it becomes. Cause I remember when, so just, uh, the, the timeline of this was when it was first announced, we woke up to it. I checked my email. There was an email from La Liga, which they send like just mass send to all the journalists out there. And uh, I looked over it. They were super excited about it. I, I, I talked to the guy on WhatsApp, the PR guy, and he's like, this is so exciting. And I was like, okay. Um, I read more into it, and I just reported it without really stating any opinions on it. And everyone was like, this is awesome. La Liga is going to grow. We can put that money towards uh, making the, the quality of the broadcast better, for example, the marketing, right. all that stuff, the growth of the league, maybe going into new markets. Uh, and then there was this report not long after, actually within a couple hours, and I, and, and my source, source confirmed this too, that um, actually Real Madrid don't see this as a good solution. In fact, they had no idea about it until they saw the press release. This was not communicated to them beforehand. Uh, they felt it's a short-term fix that benefits certain teams right now, but not is not a solution. Um, and that came out. And then the reaction to that, Gabe, was not from everyone, but I saw it enough, was that, uh, Real Madrid are greedy. They this is this is not like they they only care about themselves and all this. Um, so now that we know more about it, it seems like okay that that narrative is shifting a little bit, right? So, um, do you do you think the main reason why? And I, I don't know if they were on board fully, but it seems like at initially maybe Barcelona were for this, and La Liga's leverage in these in this was that well, if you're for this, then maybe we can work something out and get messy to stay here. Right. And, um, and, and that's where Barcelona yeah. looked at this and was like, we can't, this is crazy. Yeah. 
And that's how that's how bad a deal this is, right? Barcelona said no, even though, right, the deal would have allowed them to keep Messi. That's how crazy this is. Uh, and I think folks can understand why that would be, right? Like I said, it's mortgaging. They're 50 years into the future, uh, which is, I mean, you don't get deals. I mean, it's just terrible. You don't get things like that. I mean, ultimately, if you look at how much money actually uh the teams and the and the league will get uh it's negative they'll be they'll be in the they'll be in the red for this uh soon not even like 50 years down the line they're going to be you know the reason hedge funds give money and make deals like this is because they are going to make money on it <laughs> it's not a it's not a like like uh, uh you know a beneficent uh uh thing they're trying to make money and this is a deal that makes them a shitload of money. You know, I don't. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, I think it was really impressive that Madrid came out immediately against this. Uh, and I think it was important to change the narrative. Um, I think part of what's going on here is that Tebas uh, is trying to retaliate against some of the clubs for the Super League. And you see that in his reaction to the RFEF uh, statement. Uh, where he says, "Oh, I'm so uh, I'm so happy that RFEF finally commented on the Super League." Just kidding. <laughs> this is a, a comment about this thing, and uh, RFEF maybe they should have commented on the, the Super League. If I'm going to take them seriously, uh, which I think gives the gives away the game, right? This is just him. You know, I'm not sure that exactly. This is like. It, you know, this is the only reason, but part of this, I'm sure, is to assert the league's um, rights and power over the clubs. So do you think, uh, well, I guess I'm curious to, if you could explain some of the legal things here, because I know sure. that you you looked over the, the RFEF, the Federation's statement this morning. Um, so God bless you for doing that because it was lengthy and there was a lot in there and I'm just like, okay, okay. Uh, I guess. Sure. Like, you know, I, again, I, I'm, I'm always admitting that this stuff goes over my head and especially when it comes to legal stuff. But um, one of the things that they said in that statement and kind of what they headline was that the agreement with the CVC in the league is quote unquote, totally illegal. And so it's one thing for it to be a bad deal, that's just bad deal, bad for everybody. And then it's right. another thing to be illegal. So can you explain what they, what they meant by that? Yeah. Um, because I haven't seen any of the suits and I'm not a, a lawyer in Spain, I can only speculate, but there are, are two important things that I think, um, you know, create a sort of illegal um, thing here. And the real one to underline is that uh RFEF and the clubs don't believe that the Liga owns the audiovisual rights. So the deal was giving away something or mortgaging something that La Liga doesn't have, right? You can't take away these rights from these clubs because they're the clubs and not the leagues. Mm. And uh, another big element is that there was absolutely no involvement from the RFEF and the clubs in making this deal. Those are both things that I, I think are probably the uh, uh, the crucial elements in the idea that this is illegal. Now, <laughs> there's another thing where, which like reading the tea leaves, um, Real Madrid said in the statement 
that they are going to file a criminal lawsuit against La Liga. Right. Not just an illegal civil lawsuit, um, a criminal one. And my belief is that the underlying thing there has to be fraud um, because uh, because it was uh, negotiated in secret uh, and because of the way that La Liga kind of explained it to folks um, and and how th- and the the reality that that was kind of false uh, and and really not um, above board creates a possibility that La Liga engaged in what we could call criminal fraud. Uh, and that's a really intense. That's a really intense thing to file. But it again underscores how much and how bad Madrid thinks this deal is, uh, and how angry they are about the process that went into making it, uh, which is, I think, like I said, the underlying um, criminal issue. Uh, I'll just say about like about La Liga. So they are the ones that you know that I'm getting the. Uh, the uh, the question of the audiovisual rights and who owns them from, uh, which I think is a crucial element, right? Because you can't sell something that you don't have. Um, I think another really important element of this, and this is kind of quasi-legal, is that the agreement is for 50 years, uh, which means that for that entire time, we're paying this tax. And La Liga thinks, or the RFEF, kind of uh, most important point is that what this does is it ties the hand everyone's hands it uh, prevents uh, uh, Spanish football from evolving and changing with the sport mm. right you need to be able to re- react to the developments in modern football and especially the financial ones but also the literally also the uh, 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 on the pitch, um, evolutions, right? Uh, and you can't do that if you're paying this much money every year to this hedge fund that owns part of your audiovisual rights. So for example, you're tying the hands and you have to go to a third party to, uh, if you want to, you know, change the people that broadcast your games. That is likely also illegal, but it also means that you can't negotiate these deals by yourself. You can The people that own the, uh, the audiovisual rights ha- will uh, can't negotiate and get new deals based on this agreement because they have to go to the CBC uh, to pitch them on new, uh, new developments and, and uh, changes to the audiovisual rights. I just like, it's, it's a reminder how, how confusing everything is with, the entities there's not one it's not like it's not one league and there's a federation and there's always confusion about who does what what is the function of each one yeah there's lack of clarity on the rules and what their roles are and there's always arguments there's always things happening behind them disagreements and i don't it's confusing to me it really is you know yeah and you know this has been a fight that's been going on for a lot longer than this specific incident uh, Madrid has been fighting and Barcelona has been fighting and Atleti has been fighting with La Liga uh, about which whether they get to keep them like all of their own, the money that comes from broadcasting their own games. Uh, because they believe, and I think it's a fair belief, that it is not La Liga's place to take away money, or at least the way that the illegal uh, kind of multi-tiered structure works, uh, is not, <laughs> prevents La Liga from uh, 
from from you know taking away the profits or taking away some amount of the profits from these games. Uh, and like I said, that's been a that was that goes all the way back to the Media Pro fight like five years ago. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I it's it the the con just worth <laughs> talking about the convolution <laughs> again. I mean, and there's no there's no good guys. So like even like there was a part of me like when we're talking about there's no way Barcelona could have agreed to this. Does not excuse them for just putting themselves into this position in the first place, which goes back years and years of incompetence. Right. There's also no way La Liga could have could have made an exception for them really just because of this messy thing because oh. of Barcelona's mismanagement and it's all, and, but also their, their hands aren't clean. And then there's the Federation who swooping in like the white knights with this, you know, these, <laughs> what you're doing is totally illegal. And, you know, we've Lord knows, I mean, uh, the whole Ruby Alice thing is a different discussion, but um, <laughs> yeah, there is no one good here. <laughs> I mean, the, the interesting thing is that in, and I'd be curious to know what you think the percentage or likelihood of this CBC deal moving ahead is it doesn't seem very likely at this point there was also a report that you know while Barcelona also have their issues of registering the current players like because there was a whole period game where it was like okay if Messi plays for free we can figure this out <laughs> and first of all the idea itself was insane second of all even if that theoretical situation arose that still wouldn't have solved their problem and three um it's not just Barca because now the reports are like there's like eight other teams in La Liga who are going to have to figure out how to register their players before yeah. the season starts. And they're in that situation too. So if there was a chance that they would have voted in favor for this, um, I, I mean, I suppose Tebas' leverage would have, there would have been, well, you vote for it and then we'll, we'll figure something out for you. Right. But um, right. so what do you, what do you think the chances of this actually going ahead? They have, they reduced yeah. dramatically. Yes. Like dramatically. Uh, because of Real Madrid, I think, is the main reason. Um, the quick statement uh, and then the, the the club's kind of aggression against this, uh, you know, and now RFEF coming out, which is, you know, I should be the death knell for this. Uh, I really don't think it's likely, but it, it's possible. So I'll give it a, like a 10% likelihood. Uh, you know, and, and like you said, uh, this wouldn't have been a magic bullet like for anyone. Uh, and La Liga's uh, salary cap does have the effect of potentially preventing smaller teams from re registering players, right? Because the smaller teams don't make as much money. And so if they want to register players, they have to abide by their own salary cap, which is based on how much money they made and they make, right? So that is a, you know, a, a complex issue and another reason why it seems to me that Tebas is holding this over these clubs' head. They're saying basically, agree to this and you'll be able to, uh, you know, sign all your players and probably move through uh, the next couple of years, uh, you know, just to get outside of the COVID problem and you'll get back to your normal revenue stream uh, and then be able to just sort of keep, uh, keep going on. Uh, it is kind of a hostage situation with that stuff. Um, I think it's, you know, the, one of the issues is that, you know, frankly, the salary cap is a little harsh um, because it changes every year based on the previous year's uh, revenue. So 
you know, in the case of Barcelona, they had a deficit going into the COVID situation, and it's just way worse now. Um, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Uh, and it's just way worse now. But they would have had a problem with registering players even if they had normal revenues from COVID, or uh, pre, like the pre-COVID um, revenue stream. Uh, and that's, you know, like you said, because of their criminal mismanagement. And it goes back, I mean, like the problems really are that they signed every year they've managed to sign someone who's completely useless uh, and yeah. <laughs> commanding a big salary. Like Umtiti or, you know, you know, Coutinho is like the classic one. I barely even remembered that he was on the team until I started investigating why their salary issues are so big. But like, even if, like you said, even if Messi plays for free, they're still staring down the barrel of 200 million euros in uh, above the cap, you know, so they still have to, you know, get rid of, I mean, Let's even assume that each one of these players commands a 50 million euro salary, which is, is not what is the, the, the reality, right? Messi is the only one who even approaches that. Uh, they would still need to, so to sell four of them, right? Like they would have to sell all of these guys in order to get under the salary cap. If even, you know, considering if these folks made, you know, twice their salary and most of them make what, like 12 million, like even up to 20 million, it's suddenly five, uh, five or no, 10 of them. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy, man. Yeah. And I, I mean, there's a, there's a debate too. And I, and I wonder what the future of the premier league will be too, because they don't, they don't have a salary cap right now. And they, you know, and there's this debate about like whether we should have one or not. I think it's really healthy to have one. Um, you now we can de debate on like which, how you want to dice it up and how you want to structure it, and whether right now it's a little bit harsh the way it's 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 enforced, um, and yeah. what the rules are. And obviously, this is the COVID time, so no one saw this coming. But you know, it prevents teams from having like an Alexis Sanchez contract on your team at Manchester United, where you're handcuffed. It prevents right. the whole Coutinho situation. It prevents. Um, it prevents the Griezmann situation. It, it's one would even think it would do that. <laughs> you know, one would think yeah. that they would prevent this stuff, um, but Barcelona but, obviously it didn't. <laughs> well, I remember like last year we when a lot of people started to ask us about the La Liga salary cap. Uh, they wanted to know more about it because this La Liga salary cap wasn't that well known last year, even. Um, and yeah. my argument is like we can't rely on competency of the people who manage the clubs. This is yeah. like throughout entire sports history, every team, especially like some teams in particular have just been mismanaged and there's a bunch of incompetence running them. So we can't rely on their brains. We need rules to enforce this shit. Like, otherwise it's just going to yeah. be. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and, and this in some ways, and I'm not like a Barcelona uh, empath or anything, but <laughs> Laporta walked into a situation where Bar Bartomeo just lit that place on fire before oh, he yeah. went down, right? And I, I, that's like, and I'm just thankful for Florentino for, for, you know, we're not going to talk about his, some of other, his other decisions, but from a pure financial perspective, the club yeah. is not in doomsday right now. No, that's right. Uh, and, you know, I, I am worried about the smaller clubs, obviously Barcelona just so badly managed, but the salary cap would have, so a few years ago, right, Malaga uh, is our, uh, you know, was a great team. It had a bunch of really good players. It got right. bought by, you know, some oil tycoon, you know, uh, from one of those countries. 
uh, and then they spent a lot of money on these players. And then suddenly they were making like they were deep in the red. Uh, and since then, we, Malaga has been, you know, not even functional. Right. They had to essentially declare bankruptcy uh, because they couldn't deal with the, the salaries and, and whatnot that they had on the books. Um, <clears throat> and that the idea is to prevent something like that. From yeah. Happening. Right. Yeah. Uh, so. Do you feel like there's anything we haven't covered yet or do you feel like we've covered everything that we needed to cover? I think we probably have covered everything. The problem is that I may have to just come back in a few days because this is such a quick and fast evolving situation. Yeah. Uh, We don't know exactly what the contours of the lawsuits will look like. Uh, And I'd like to figure that out and come back and explain it to everyone because uh, my guessing is not as useful for you all as uh, actual analysis of what the lawsuits say. Um, I'll just say that I, they're, they're going to be filed in Spain, which means that they're going to have to uh, be filed within the Spanish legal system. Uh, and I know that the government has been focused on ensuring the viability of the, of, you know, sports in the country. Uh, and, you know, also like been, has been willing to apply some of the classic civil um, uh, laws uh, on, you know, uh, you know, onto the Liga uh, and the teams involved in La Liga. So, yeah, I mean, I'll come back. <laughs> okay, perfect. So um, what we need is like, I think we need a law corner. It's a weekly segment with you just coming on and, <laughs> and talking about all this, like all this stuff. Um I don't like know. If- I'm into it. Last thing. Oh yeah. Last thing. Um, the real question now in my mind um, outside of Spain is the extent to which um, FFP will apply to PSG, right? Because they have spent this entire uh, off season bringing yeah. in unbelievably high salary players. So Messi um, and Sergio Ramos by themselves will command something like 80 million euros. So I, <laughs> uh, seems to me that PSG may need to jettison a couple of contracts to make sure that they can actually, you know, assuming that there is a FFP type salary cap and, um, or at least a, a governing body willing to enforce that against PSG. Uh, and so, I mean, it could lead to Mbappe to Real Madrid if there is nothing and they have to, and they can just do what they want, I would think that maybe Mbappe would want to stay and play with Messi for a couple of years. Uh, so it really depends on my view. Um, and so we'll, we'll, we should be following that closely. Um, uh, yeah. My guess <laughs> based on everything is that it won't apply to them. So unfortunately, <laughs> They're going to be able to evade all of the regulations that um, screwed over Barcelona. So, well, it seems like for the next two to three seasons, um, the restrictions are going to be basically not enforced if they were enforced at all to begin with. But um, yeah. because of the COVID situation, uh, so take of that reasoning for what you will, based on yep. the current this context that we're talking about, it seems a little quite wonky. But um, yeah. It's a weird yeah. time, weird, ta- weird times that Paris weird team is interesting. Insane. Yeah. I mean, will, you know, modern football 
allow for a super team like that, like the basketball super teams. Um, we'll see. I mean, the era, if there's going to be an era of super teams, Madrid is going to really struggle to keep up because they are not an oil baron owned country, you know, a state owned country, a state owned cult club or right. a, you know, club owned by one, like a billionaire willing to invest heavily like Chelsea. Right. Um, yeah. So worrisome. <laughs> yeah. We'll see the full future outlook of, yeah. uh, of the sport is a little bit up in the air right now. Uh, we'll see what direction it goes. And Gabe Lazar, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Nice to have you back on the show, my oh, friend. I'm, I'm so happy to. I'm so happy to come back. So, um, yeah. I mean, next time there's legal or or you know general governing body news, I'll I'm happy to come on whenever you guys want. Well, uh, listeners also are excited to see you in New York as well because they know you're coming to that podcast, right? Sure, I am. Um, yeah. And your name is in the in the program, so you can't back out of it. It's, oh, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's it's legal now. It's it's written down, written form. So right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Gabe, thank you so much. Talk soon. Appreciate it. Hala Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, buddy.